On this episode of Sessions, we chat with Christina Wong, Director of PR and Brand Expression at Tender Greens. Tune in as we chat about the term brand expression, how the company has worked to evolve the Tender Greens messaging, and how to tell a big story in a series of small bites. Hey there, and welcome to Sessions, a podcast presented by Matt Black, the creators behind the Shapeshift Report. I'm Micah Haykoop, the Director of Operations here at Matt Black, and I'm so excited to be here today with Christina Wong, the Director of PR and Brand Expression at Tender Greens. Christina, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Hi, everyone. I appreciate having you. We appreciate having you. So we're going to dive into it in a few minutes about everything, the, your long history I've learned with a brand from the agency and in-house. But yeah. first, there's more important questions to ask. Our get-to-know-you questions. Hit me. Like such as, what is your comfort food? What's my comfort food? Mm. Do you want the slightly gross Asian mom version or maybe like the yes. more? Okay. All right. So... Okay, do you know, like, you know, like, pork song that you can get at, like, Asian grocery yeah. stores? Yeah. So, white bread, peanut butter with pork song, and you just, like, eat that together. What? Did you grow up on that? That was, like, I remember, like, as a kid, like, my, because both my parents worked, and so I was always kind of home by myself. And, like, uh, if, and if my dad was left up to, like, making us dinner, it'd be, like, a can of, like, AB alphabet soup and, like, here's a sandwich. And so, I don't know, my parents just started making it for me. And it's, it's so weird. And every time I tell someone, they're like, that is disgusting. But like, I don't know. It just took pork it, and peanut butter. It totally works. It's just like that sugary, like, you know, like pork song is like that shredded pork floss. Yeah. And then with peanut butter and that's wild. It's like savory, like peanut butter. Yeah. All right. So next question, uh, what's the next vacation destination? Thailand. I just booked it. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you been before? Never. Okay. Never. So Where are you going? Chiang Mai? I don't know. Okay. We, uh, I'm going with a couple friends and we just booked it. We're doing like two and a half weeks and we're going to figure it out. Are you, so, do you want to go like city or are you going like resort Thailand? Not resort. Definitely more like adventure exploring like off the beaten Jungle. path of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll probably do Bangkok for like a couple days and like. You know, to me, a big, any big, most big cities are like a big city. Yeah. So we'll do a little bit there, and then we'll probably do Chiang Mai, Phuket, and then like little cities kind of here and there and That's around. That's gonna be amazing. So I mean, think yeah. you're gonna ride a motorcycle? Probably. Why not? Um, yeah, we'll just we're just Airbnb it. So I'm just hunting down like really amazing, cool places on Airbnb and like. I'm sure they have a million good yeah. Airbnbs over there. All right, and then lastly, who who do people tell you your doppelganger is? That's a tough one. I always say Lucy Liu because maybe she's like one of the few Asian actresses that I I can think of off the top of my head that's recognizable, but I don't know if that's accurate. What do you think? I could see that. I could see Lucy Liu. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Now that I said it, you can't get it out of your mind. That's true. That's part of it. That's a big piece of it. I don't know. I will maybe by the end of this interview, I'll I'll talk to someone else. If you have a better answer, please tell me. No, I. I don't right now, but I'm also bad at doppelgangers. Like all the time people will be like, who's that person look like? 
And I'll just like, be like, no, like no clue. Don't know who they look like, but I digress. Cool story, Micah. Um, so I want to hear a little bit about how you got uh, right now, you're a director of PR, but how you got your start in PR. So you, is this what you've always done? Since school, is this what you no. went to school for? Did, no. How did you get into PR in the first place? Um, I got into PR because, so I was doing, like, I thought I would go into event management. So when I was in college, I um, did a lot of internships and, like, working for, like, event management companies, planning exhibits, trade shows, galas, conferences. And, like, it was really fun. I loved it. Yeah. Loved the rush and the thrill. But I was just, like, it's kind of just, like, really good organizing. Like, yeah. there wasn't a ton of, like, strategic thought involved in, you know, planning a long-term. An event was pretty, like, generally it was a short-term, especially because I worked at, um, like, event management companies, mm-hmm. not, like, somewhere in-house. Um, and so I was like, ah, oh, like, this is kind of interesting. And then, like, one day my mom was like, hey, maybe you might, like, PR, check out this program, grad program. And I was like, okay, whatever, yeah, mom, I'm going to go continue on my way. And I kind of ignored her for a bit. Um, and then I don't know why it just kind of like stuck in my brain. And then, um, I decided like, Hey, I'm going to go check out this program. So I ended up going to USC Annenberg's, um, PR program for grad school. And it wasn't because I went to grad school that I did PR. I sort of, so I went to college in Washington, DC and I was having a ton of fun over there. And then I was like, okay, I want to come back to Southern California. I'm going to go to grad school. Let's go to USC. And while I was here, I was like, I need a job. Where can I get myself a job? So um, I started applying all over anywhere I could find. And the job that I got was at this small boutique restaurant PR firm called JS Squared Communications in West Hollywood. And that was sort of it. And I I kind of got that restaurant job, um, that restaurant PR job, because in college, I worked at restaurants and bars and I was a bartender and a cocktail waitress. And like, I was the go-to person for like where to eat restaurants and I loved food. So I kind of, that, my passion for food and restaurants and kind of working just for fun in college turned into something that I was passionate about, which turned into something I got to do PR for. That's crazy. Um, Are any of the restaurants you used to work at still around now? Um, one, one of them, um, it's a hotel in DC. If you've ever been to DC, like between Foggy Bottom and Georgetown, there's a hotel on M street called the Melrose Hotel. It's still there. It's probably still there. They might've changed hands a few times, but like that hotel has been there forever, but there's like the library bar. I don't know if it's still called that. But um, like the bartender had been there for like 40 years and I was just this like young college kid cocktail waitress coming in. That's amazing. Um, and I loved it. It was so much fun. Nice. So, and we, you got your start at JS Squared, which we actually work with. They're a great uh, PR firm because we do Cafe Gratitude. Um, cool. So shout out to JS Squared. Um, and then when did you start? You were already, you said at that point, they were working on Tender Greens. So I joined JS Squared and yeah. then Tender Greens came on as a new client. So this was, you know, me 10 years ago, 10, this nine, pro- 10 years this ago. This called Providence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like baby Christina, fresh in the industry, um, not knowing a whole lot. And um, JS, I mean, so I was at JS Squared working on a bunch of different restaurants like Lowry's The Prime Rib and Patina Group restaurants, um, La Brea Bakery, and then Tender Oh my Greens. gosh, JS Squared, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, they had really amazing clients. They had BLD and Grace and some of these like really great How much restaurants. free food did you leverage out of this? There was a, there's still a lot of free food. There's a lot of eating. Um, I can't complain. Eating, drinking. Um, but Tender Greens came on as this new client. At the time, they had two restaurants. And they wanted PR, and my boss was like, 
awesome, you're on this. And I'm like, I don't know anything, but okay. And I, I really quickly fell in love with them and the brand and the owners. Um, so now fast forward, we're nine years later, I'm in-house and we have 24 locations. That's amazing. Okay. And so I have to ask about the second piece of your job because you are the director of PR and brand expression for Tender Green. So brand expression comes with jazz hands. Is that, oh, yeah, you can't see it on, the, on, see on the podcast, but there's jazz hands. Big jazz hands. <laughs> brand expression. What? Okay. Explain. So brand expression is kind of um, our word for marketing. So we always kind of viewed marketing as a dirty word. It just felt inauthentic. Um, it, marketing means so many different things. Marketing is a dirty word, but PR is not a dirty I, word. You know, I don't know. The owner's like, I don't like the word marketing. How about let's make your title brand expression? I'm like, That's sure. Right. I'll take it. I was like, sure. That's sounds right. good. And, yeah. and really like, you know, my job is like, it says PR and brand expression, but really like we're... I'm the type of person and we're the type of company where like, we just kind of do whatever it takes. So sometimes I'm doing PR, sometimes I'm doing graphic design, sometimes I'm busting a table. Uh, it, it just sort of depends whatever needs All to happen. Deck, yeah. yeah. So brand expression is really kind of, it really means marketing, but it's also like, what is the expression of our brand? Like what is, you know, so guest, you know, guest relations, social media, all of, all of those things. Yeah. From what I have gathered from like our short time talking together is it's a relatively tight crew yeah. over there, right? It's, there, there's not some massive corporate team running no. all of these restaurants. How yeah. many, how many people is it at the head office? At the, at our home office, yeah. we're up to about 30 people now. Wow. You have like, 24 restaurants and most of those are HR and finance. Yeah. No way. And um, even my team. So I actually have a legit, so we've, we've let go of the, you know, marketing hate and, We've embraced it now. We're okay. Um, Thank you. So we have a marketing team now. And um, so we have five people now on our marketing team. Nice. Before that, like, so three years ago, it was just me. Yeah. Wow. Still just me. Uh, and is, so, there, is there a marketing person, like, per store as well? Or, like, a marketing nope. lead? Nope. Who puts the signs out? The chefs at all the restaurants and okay. the management manager teams. That's amazing. Yeah. So that, I think that's actually a good segue into, you know, if, if you're going to anyone around California, so you have San Francisco, Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego locations. Um, I mean, what makes you guys different? Like, what was the concept born out of? And, like, what's the vision for it now? Sure. So you heard me just say um, we have you know the chef at the restaurant, and yeah. so the idea of Tender Greens and where it started was so the three owners um, came out of fine dining. So there are two chefs and director of F and B, and they all met at um, Shutters on the Beach in Casa Del Mar, and they were working there. Sick. Yeah, they were you know chefs at the top of their game, you know, over a decade ago, and they just kind of they got tired of their corporate jobs and they wanted something more and they wanted to eat the type of food that they were cooking every day in these kitchens, but they couldn't even afford to eat there. So ten, the idea of Tender Greens was born. And so the first Tender Greens opened in Culver City in 2006. Oh, I didn't know that my Tender yeah. Greens is the first one. That is the OG Tender Greens. Okay. And they put everything they had into, I mean, life say everything they had into this idea. Um, and the idea was always, the goal was always to scale, but you know, each tender greens is meant to be run like its own little neighborhood restaurant. So every single location is run by its own chef. So the three owners are like the original chefs of that location. And now, um, you know, you go to Culver City and Steve Diamond is the executive chef of that location. He runs just that location. There's no corporate chef. There's no, you know, we have regionals, but there were kind of, 
we're a restaurant company that's run by chefs, mm. um, which is incredibly creative. Yeah. It's sometimes frustrating because you've got too many literal chefs in the kitchen. Um, but I think that's what makes us so fun and so different from mm. everybody else. You know, we're not just this lunch salad place. There's amazing food being made every day. How have you tried to evolve that story um, over years of working on the brand launching that many restaurants. I mean, that's a lot. And then every time you go to a new location though, like you must be tweaking the story a little bit or telling it in a slightly different way. Like how do you find the way to refresh what you're doing? Yeah. And I think a lot has changed, right? Just, I mean, even like PR marketing, social media, digital has changed in the last 10 years. And, um, and even for our story, you know, we, when Tender Greens first started, we would say, Oh, we're farm to fork. We're slow food done fast. Where, you know, fast casual. And at the time, as those ideas got played out, you had to change it. And at the time, we were the only ones. Nothing Mm -hmm. else, nothing else like that existed. You know, Mendocino, you know, there's a bunch of places that are just getting started that was kind of had the the same philosophy and mindset as us. Like, you know, Lemonade started a little bit later, Um, Mendocino Farms, and they, they kind of all the same philosophy, but this idea of healthy, fine dining inspired, fast casual kind of grew out of it. And we were one of the first. So, those words that we use to describe ourselves that people really loved and understood are now being overused and they're just marketing buzzwords now. You know, you go down to the grocery store and everything says, you know, farm fresh, organic, sustainable, and all it's just gotten everything, all these terms that we're comfortable, we have been comfortable with using have been greenwashed. So they don't mean that much anymore. So for us to be, we have to come up with new words to describe who we are. Um, so it's evolved. It's changed. We try to let go of some, and yet consumers and customers understand certain words. Mm-hmm. So instead of you know fast casual, you know we're saying like you know we're actually really fine casual, and that's something that um, Danny Meyer. Um, if you don't know who he is, he's the um, he was the found one of the founders of Shake Shack okay. and CEO of Union Square Hospitality, and he's now an investor. Um, him and his Union Square Hospitality group are investors in Tender Greens, and he's like the New York restaurateur man. And, you know, he's always saying, you know, like it's fine casual because it's not fast, you know? Yeah. Fast is the service model, but like the food and what we're doing is fine. It is fine dining quality. Yeah. And so is the, which pieces there's the chef piece we talked about. There's all of those things that you guys, you know, used to use to market, but were true. Like they weren't marketing for you, right? It was yeah. like telling your story, mm-hmm. which piece is still at the core. Is it the, the fresh ingredients? Is it the, the quality of the dishes and the uniqueness of the dishes? Like where do you feel that the company still centers around? I mean, yes. Yeah. All of the, all of all those of are still okay. true, right? Okay. I mean, we were still sourcing, you know, local, sustainable, you know, raised organic, um, you know, no hormones or antibiotics, but it's just, those words just mean a lot less. You know, we call it the, the blah, blah, blah. No GMO, yeah, yeah, blah, blah. Like, everybody says it. It's on every piece of packaging yeah. you can find. And so um, for us, you know, we just, we hope that people will understand that this is just the way we work. This is the way we function. Yeah. These are just, these are not non-negotiables and this is the base and this is our foundation of who we are and how we operate and we don't deviate from that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's like, hopefully the new standard and the new standard you're moving to one because people expect those things mm-hmm. and two the fact that you can like i think there's so many people we talk to who have something that's see that comes across smaller like that but then they're like really like betting the farm on it yeah like well 
where, you know, but it's formed a table and you're like, oh, it's kind of, people are kind of doing it at this point. It's a lot of newer brands. I respect, like, I have so much respect for brands who it's been a part of the DNA from the beginning mm-hmm. and they've been around for a while. So you guys, Cafe Gratitude's done it that way for a while. Um, I mean, there's a ton of clients we have that I think have done such a good job. Um, but it's amazing to be able to hold on to that. So for you, like, you look out, you look at what you do on the PR side as well as what you do on the marketing side, obviously under the same umbrella, um, just treat it a bit differently. Like what's the stuff that you're doing that you're most excited about right now? Or like the things that you want to do that are coming up that you're most excited for? I think we're really starting to tell our individual chef stories Mm -hmm. a lot more. So instead of being one big nebulous group of chefs, each chef has their own story and their unique point of view. So we started doing, um, you know, short chef films. Um, so we've been playing with some longer format ones that are six to seven minutes. We've been having um, others that are like one minute long. Um, kind of, you know, our attention spans are very short now. So I want to convince people to watch the long form because it's worth it. It's worth it if you sit in and you want to watch it. And then we're also mixing it up with some shorter content yeah. to like um, talk about different messages. But I think the idea of film and filmmaking and storytelling um, is I love doing it. I think it's really fun. And you really get to know somebody on a deeper level. Um, I think also, you know, and I was thinking about it as we're talking about ingredients, you know, with marketing and the Twitterfication of the world, you know, everything's in 140 characters or less. Everything's in a soundbite. You know, we have the attention of a tsetse fly. Um, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram photos and um, it's hard to really take the time, to want to take the time to truly dig into an issue or a topic. And I was thinking about our grass-fed beef, and I think a lot of people, when we switched our beef to grass-fed, like, grass-fed's just a little bit different. It tastes a little gamier. It's a little bit chewier if it's not cooked, like, perfectly. Um, and a lot of people complain. They're, they made the immediately made the assumption that we're trading down for a lesser quality product. When in fact, we actually traded up, trade up for better quality and we weren't charging them for it at the time. Um, so, it, and for me as a PR person and the storyteller, I don't want to just give you the soundbite. I don't want to give you the one word, the convenient, you know, farm to fork answer that just labels everything and you don't dig a little deeper. Like I want to sit and have a conversation with you. I want to tell you about our beef sourcing practices and where they come from and why do we choose what the world isn't black and white and sourcing isn't black and white. It's shades of gray. And just like when you go to the grocery store and you're looking at all of the labels, how do you make the best decision? Um, and, and those require longer conversations, uh, which kind of takes us into film and video. I think video and film can tell a story in a way that words and just an image sometimes can't. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but I got to convince you to kind of stick in there to watch it all the way. So how long are the long form ones that you're doing? Like somewhere between six to eight minutes. And it's just about the chef's kind of the chef's background and their approach to food or what is it? What's the content? Yeah. So if you uh, go to our YouTube page, it's 10, it's YouTube and our username is tender greens food. Um, We have a series called seasoned. So it's kind of like each chef and their ratatouille moment. Have you watched Disney's ratatouille? Yeah. 100%. Totally. So like, you know, when the food critic goes, and he, sit, he eats the ratatouille and, and he becomes a child again. And he just gets transported back in time. Um, so it's really about like who is this chef as a person and 
how did they become a chef and like what are their strongest food memories? So the very first episode is um, Chef Oliver, who's at our Hollywood location, and he's German. So he actually grew up in East Germany before the wall came down. Um, and his memory is of his mom, you know, he's like his mom is the best cook that he's ever known. And so um, you're watching and you're watching him, you know, ch- close up chop peas and carrots and cook and do something with this pork. And, you know, he's like, he remembers growing up and going to this beach and his mom would make him, you know, cold pork and wrapped in tin foil. And that's what they would eat af- after a long day on the beach. And at the end of it, you see him recreating his childhood comfort food dish. And, but it's the most exquisite, beautifully plated dish you've ever seen. And yeah. it's him as a chef making that dish. And so it's, it's a little bit of like a chef's table esque, those that kind of beauty shot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after you watch that, you, you know who Oliver is. You, you know he's an introvert. You know that he's a mama's boy. You know, like, how much he cares about it. Um, and yeah. like, you just can't get that if you're just looking at Chef Oliver. Yeah, and that kind of, and and the fact that you know we had, we were talking about this before we started recording the fact that that person's cooking at a restaurant that sometimes people mistake for that lunchtime salad place. Exactly. But it's but it's not right. You know, it yeah. it's not just like oh we have line cooks and they throw stuff out, but you have this guy who's like incredibly thoughtful and has his own space on the menu to create things like this. Were you ever able to purchase the cold pork dish on the menu? That's my question. We So Oliver's was the first one we did. So yeah. we did not make it available. And that was the feedback we got. Everybody would watch and they'd be like, holy shit, I want that dish right now. Where That'd can I get it? So the second one we did was uh, Steve from Culver City. Yeah. And he made his grandma Mimi's brisket. So we made that available every Sunday for a month in March. And people really loved it. That's so. Sick. So we're just trying to like think, we're like just kind of starting and experimenting and playing with it. Like, a, and then one of the shorter contents is, um, you know, it's a how to blank like a chef. And so the first episode is how to make pasta like a chef. So we have one of our chefs, like kind of why he loves making pasta from scratch. And it's like really, really cool shots. And then it's to kick off. We have pasta Wednesdays. So every Wednesday night at every Tender Greens location, you can get some handmade pasta made by a chef. So like, so then that, right, like, so we kind of started with, oh, we didn't really make it available. And the second one was like, okay, we're going to make it available, but at one location. And then this next, and then the next one we did, we're like, okay, how can we showcase our chef, talk about something that they do that's unlike anyone else and make it available for everybody. people participate. Yeah. I mean, what percentage of marketing are you doing that is telling, like, we talk about this a lot, that's like, there's the brand level stories, which would be like, we have chefs. And then there's the product level story, like we have pasta Wednesdays. Uh-huh. Like how how do you guys balance those two things? Or are you really focusing on product driven marketing at this point? I mean, it has to be a blend of both. Yeah. I mean, it's if we only focus on just brand, we then become this giant brand conglomerate, and that's just not who we are at the heart of Tender Greens. I mean, our restaurants and our company are driven by the stores and by the chefs and the neighborhoods and the communities that we're in. So if we're not if we're only doing a brand story and not telling just a personal neighborhood story or just a product story, I think you're only getting a piece of the story. And yeah. I always say I have the best job in the world because I get to sit and talk about Tender Greens all day long. And there's so many cool things to talk about. Totally. 
Um, yeah, and the, and the care that goes into it, like knowing there's a lot of care behind everything you're doing, not just cool yeah. things that you're doing. Yeah, we also have like a whole animal program. Um, sorry for all the vegetarians and vegans, but I hope that you will appreciate that, you know, we work with really cool local farmers that are raising animals like in a very kind and the kind way that we imagine it to. So one of our farmers is Pachamama Farms in Oregon, and he has pigs and goats and lambs and sheep. They are living outside and foraging in what you imagine an idyllic animal should be. And then we get them, we get whole animals and our chefs butcher them and we have them at the restaurants. So that's like another specialty item. So if you see like Pachamama Farms pork on our menu. So we use snout to tail, whole animal, nothing goes wasted. And hopefully in that way, hopefully we are respecting that whole animal that was being used. And that's, a, that's amazing. Yeah, that is, is not it, something you get at a salad chain yeah, or a salad no, lunch. Definitely not. Are you, are you guys butchering all of the meat or just from certain farms? Just from certain just farms. From certain so like, farms, yeah, so like, like so the things are. that you see on our core menu are, they kind of, they come. They, yeah. Like you, that. you guys are ordering. Yeah. It, but, um, yeah. So usually like if you're, if you're listening to me and you're drooling, you're like, Christina, where can I eat this delicious food? Um, look on the special menu. So like yeah. in every restaurant, there's a special board that changes twice a day for lunch and dinner get whatever is on that menu. So that's where you'll find like a Pachamama pork. So you'd see porchetta or a slow braised, you know, pork stew or pork belly. What, you know, sometimes they'll make pig trotters. So we have to use every single part yeah, of the gotta, animal. You gotta, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Use it. Can't just eat the belly. Yeah. There's also trotters that come yeah. with it and head. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. So what what's exciting that's coming up as far as expansion? So we talked about the cities that you're in that are all in California, but are there any plans to do new cities in California or get outside of? Yeah, so uh, two big pieces of exciting news. Yep. Number one, we are opening a new location in Century City nice. at the newly remodeled Westfield Century City Mall. That place is a disaster right now. <laughs> it is. Oh my but gosh. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be. It's going to be sick. But pretty yeah. much right now, it's in Gelson's in a movie theater and like <laughs> yeah. half of a H and M. Yeah. I remember when we moved it. When we moved into Culver City, we went there and it was like it, it was a great mall even at that point. And then we went back. I was around like December, January of this last year, and it was just. Just like it's a ghost town yeah. right now because there's just not a lot of stuff open that but, mall needed a refresh and yeah it's, it's gonna look sick when it's it. done i mean shake shack it. so shake shack is now like our cousin company because of our danny meyer relationship and investment yeah but uh so they're gonna be they're open now in that same mall and they're like right across from us um so we'll be opening there at probably in the fall early okay. fall okay. and uh and then the big piece of exciting news is we're going to new york yeah, yeah. also next to a shake shack um, inside of a shake shack close to the shake shack yeah, yeah. so we'll um we actually what, what that news just broke last week nice um so we are going to be in the Flatiron district okay. um, at 20th and broadway in the old craft bar space wow so awesome two blocks up from the green market right near union square um, so that will be our very first out of California location right in the middle of New York. That's a great spot. And then we're going to start taking over New York and more East coast locations and onward and upwards. You got to head out. Are you heading out to New York to, yes. to make sure this thing kicks off? Yeah, me and many other people. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's not all on you. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, I think it also opens up a really interesting challenge, right? It was like for, for us marketing and because this is a marketing shapeshift report, um, you know, I think marketing tender greens in California is a different challenge than marketing a tender greens in New York. 
um, here in California, most people know the brand. It's familiar. Um, you know, or if you don't know it, I think, you know, our, we kind of understand what that food is about. In New York, most people don't know us. They've never heard of tender greens before. Um, and the challenge I face in PR is against kind of the same thing. People are like, oh, it's that lunch place, the salad chain. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, you have no idea. So um, for us, the fun part is going to be how are we going to, how does a tender greens translate in New York? How does, how do we fit into that neighborhood? Yeah. Just like no two tender greens restaurants are exactly the same. We have to do the same thing for New York and the way that people eat food and the seasons and the weather is also different. So hey, you've never, you've never dealt yeah. with much snow. Yeah. Much snow here. No, yeah, not a whole lot of snow here. No, I mean, no also doubles. sourcing yeah. for ingredients is a whole other challenge in oh, itself because totally. there's really no one that can provide the type, the volume of quality produce that we're accustomed to here in Southern California. Really? So, I mean, we here's the thing. Our, so Scarborough Farms grows a majority of our lettuce and our produce, and they're based in Oxnard, California. They also grow for some of the best restaurants in New York, but they fly it on a plane. So you'll see a lot of their frise lettuce um, on restaurants in New, in New York. But for us, that's just not an option. Flying lettuce across the country is not, it's not a big like, <laughs> That seems like... Somehow, like counterculture to the idea of like growing and like being like back to the earth, grow lettuce, yeah. like and then put it on a plane with some diesel fuel and fly across the yeah. country. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we really have to. We're looking for as many, and I think a lot of small farms are great, but they don't grow the volumes yeah. that we need. Or so. they're already committed in their volumes to someone else. I would assume. Yeah. yeah. So we're looking for some interesting new partners. We've been talking to a lot of like vertical indoor growing farms, hydroponics, aquaponic farms um, that can grow year round. So also one of the most exciting things that and we haven't gotten touched upon this topic yet. Um, we're working with a shipping container farm. So we think about, you know, instead of, us, instead of the farm coming to us, how do we take the farm with us? Where could that possibly grow? How, how does that all work? Whoa. Yeah. I want to see a shipping container farm. You can t- you should t- come. Yeah, I've so- seen vertical farms. I've never seen shipping container farms. Yeah. So there's a company out here. Um, they're in Vernon, California, like yeah. just south of downtown Ver- LA. Vernon, is, if, for anyone who doesn't know, it's just like a city completely zoned to be warehouses. Yeah. Also, the impetus for Detective Season 2. Ooh. Is about Vernon. They call it something else, but interesting. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, this company is called Local Roots, and they're a bunch of like science engineering guys, and they're growing basically vertical indoor hydroponic farms. So they take shipping containers, put them inside a warehouse, and they throw up giant racks. Like imagine like baker's racks, but like tons of them tightly packed together along both sides of the shipping container, and yeah. they're just filled with like rows and rows and rows of lettuce and pro- and like different herbs and so that and then they just grab the shipping container and be like here is like x amount of well so right now i mean so like they're still like early stage experimental so they actually grow butter lettuce first and a couple other mixes so if you eat at tender greens and marina del rey the butter lettuce comes from them and it comes to us with like the roots still fully attached so like it's really fresh it's really high nutrient dense tastes really great um, and if you look if you like open the door and you look inside it's like all these like purple and hot pink grow lights um, so it's all indoor grown, climate controlled, um, and they can turn on, you know, so they can turn on the lights on and off at different peak seat, peak, unpeak time, non-peak yeah. times. Um, so we've been talking with them and say, because their goal is to That's expand insane. as well. So we're yeah. like, how do we take a shipping container with us? Can you drive it to New York? Yeah. Yeah. So you could, I guess you, you can put a shipping container 
well, like one normally on a truck and, and but, driving out there. Yeah. But the cool thing is, and I think this is also what sets Tender Greens apart. And like, you know, our CEO and our founder, like he loves like kind of exploring these kinds of topics. So it's not just how do we run a restaurant? It's how can we change the food system? How can we work with different partners and inspire change and spark new ideas? So um, we were just presenting with Fast Company at the recent creativity conference okay. um, in May. And we spent a lot of time talking about like, how do you scale this boutique farm to four and make it big? And in order for us to do this, we need other people on board. You know, if only Tender Greens is buying from only one shipping container, it's not going to change the way we eat. It's not going to change commercial food systems Um, and I always love saying you know how cool would it be could you imagine you know think about all the unused space that's sitting around what if those had shipping containers that were growing food Um, in California it's kind of weird because you know it's nice weather year-round but if you lived in Detroit if you lived in New York you live in you know Midwest and you have seasons and lots of snow where things don't grow but you can put in a shipping container that's 100% controlled and now you're growing food or you know the big trend now is you see shipping container you know mixed use buildings and apartments and condos like what if one of those could grow food and so the cool thing is one of those shipping containers is equivalent to four acres no way yeah with a farm yeah that's crazy I wonder how much it costs to build the shipping containers. How would you ever have a farm then at that point? Once you get it figured out. Well, I mean, it's it's high cost now. You say, oh, (laughs) I'm sure it's a bajillion dollars, but like buying land isn't cheap either. um, And you saying like, there is good weather in California, but there's a lot of room in San Bernardino County. Anyone who's driven in Vegas, there's room yeah. between here and Barstow and then Barstow and Vegas. You can put a lot totally. of shipping containers, totally. hide them out there in the desert. And there's a lot of shipping containers sitting out there not being used. So Yeah, um, dropped off at some point. It's an interesting idea. We love it. You know, yeah. we partner with them because we love this idea and we want it, you know, we help each other grow. Um, and it's innovative and interesting. And, you know, what we talk about is, you know, how can we get other other like-minded businesses and companies on board? That's great. So, so that my, my big marketing question that, I, that I'll wrap with is, how do you feel like you differentiate in the space, right? Like you've talked about a lot of these things and it's amazing. It's like, you know, but does it take 20 minutes to sit down and convert someone to a believer in the brand? Um, we were talking about how we were joking about how you sometimes get confused with other places that also make salads. Yeah, with the um, name green in their time. Yeah, with yeah. green in the name. Um, you also then have like, I would assume like Panera bread is like a competitor in a way. Yeah, like so- it's, it's like that kind of like soup and sandwich or maybe people view it as a competitor. They're like when you're telling that story, you don't have this much time. So how do you differentiate in your mind? little bit at a time. A little bit finding, at a time. Finding those bite-sized messages that people will be interested in and hopefully spark enough interest that they're willing to go deeper. Like I always say the best part about Tender Greens is once you start, you uncover one layer, it gets really interesting. And more the, dip, the deeper you dig, the more interesting it becomes. But you have to spark somebody to want to click and go a little bit more. So start start at one level and yeah. then keep going more and more and really you know you ask what you know what differentiates what are the messages and you know chefs i think a lot of people just don't realize we have chefs so i say go get whatever's on the special you'll be wowed and it'll be amazing you yeah. know i think a lot of our restaurant design what we're working on is adjusting so what that looks like when you walk in um you know we've talked about hydroponics and aeroponics and kind of our point of view on the future of food and environment 
Um, and then the other part we haven't even touched upon yet is kind of, we call it social sustainability. So hopefully, you know, we lead by example and we can change people's minds. So we have a culinary internship program for former foster youth called the Sustainable Life Project. And it is one of the greatest joys that I get to be a part of. And, you know, most companies just kind of donate money to a cause. And for us, you know, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. What, what you guys are doing? Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a six month culinary internship for um, former foster youth. Wow. So they're usually between the ages of eighteen to twenty four, and the reason why we kind of choose that age group is because you know they've been. Um, you know, they're out of the foster care system, they're transitioned into adults, but they really aren't. They've never, they don't have a family, they're lacking family, you know, family structure. They've never had a job before. They've never, no one's ever taught them all of these things that many of us kind of hold for granted. And they need a job to be able to succeed. And if not, you know, they kind of end up in the cycle of poverty. And so um, the owner of, one of the owners of Tender Greens, Eric Oberholzer, started volunteering for Stand Up With Kids in Venice. And he kind of saw this opportunity youth and he saw, he's like, you know what, we'd always get hit up for, you know, donations and requests and charity. And we never were able to see how much impact we were making. We would just, you know, here's some food, here's some money, here's what our time. Yeah, yeah. And in this way, you know, while, you know, I'm not helping thousands of people. I can really, really, really make a huge difference in one person. A big long-term investment. In exactly. People. Yeah. And, you know, even if they, so we hire them to work in the restaurant and they kind of start like everybody else in the dish pit. You know, everyone starts in the dish pit or a bus. Um, so, and, and part of that is you have to learn how to show up for a job. Showing up is half the show up. And you got to do the work and also to appreciate how hard it is to be a dishwasher and to appreciate that role um, so that you don't take that for granted. And then they kind of move up into prep and, you know, whatever interesting things they might be, they want to explore and they get a chef, one of the chefs as their mentor. And at the end of it, if they're really interested and they love it, they can apply for a job at Tender Greens and we give them the best possible chance. And so we have a lot of them who work at Tender Greens and... You know, some move on, some don't make it. And that's, you know, it's really hard when they don't make it because for for me personally, I have so much hope for them. I see their potential. Um, but, you know, we're only here to offer a window of opportunity. And, you know, it's not a nonprofit. It's not a, we just, we do this. And yeah. it's something we do and we love. Um, and, you know, it kind of permeates your personal life for mm -hmm. me, definitely. And I love it. And I hope that just kind of just exactly like we were talking about with the hydroponic farms is we want more restaurants to take part in this and to have internship programs for foster youth just like ours. And, you know, we are open and free to like be like, hey, here's our model and this is how we did it. You should take it and copy it in like in true open source mode, because, again, we can't change the world on our own but we can inspire others and get them. Get them on board. Exactly. Well, that's amazing. And thanks for sharing all that. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff, but we appreciate the time and you coming down and talking to us about Tender Greens. Welcome. So we always, and we always close with one question that again, is a little bit of a get to know you question. So would love to know you're, you're going to have dinner with one of your idols. Who's that idol? Where do you go to dinner? Everyone then always asks living or dead. I would say living. Just because it opens it up to too many people if you go living or dead. Dave Grohl, because Whoa. he's Dave Grohl okay. and amazing. That's and I love him so much my entire life. And any taco shop. I feel like it's like a tacos and beer kind of meal that, conversation. I can see him be a tacos and beer guy. Yeah. Are you like, you want 
like some down home kind of Oaxacan situation, or are you trying to go to like a like a Komodo situation? Like what? Yeah. Like, like I like some, I like the fancy fusion, tacos, some, like, fusion but fancy uh, taco. no, I'm thinking like guisados. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 Just chill, really mellow. Okay, and then in closing, uh, where can we find you? What are the brands? Instagram and Facebook, and then what about you personally? Um, you can find Tender Grains at um, on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Tender Grains, super easy, and I'm the one who runs the account. So usually me posting. Nailed it. <laughs> Got that. Got and that then uh, if tag. you want to find me personally, um, my Twitter and Instagram are at Toasty Muffin. Yes. Like a crump, like a crumpet, not in anyways. <laughs> um, but I'm just gonna warn you, my Instagram isn't that interesting. It's really mostly like cats, food, and lightsaber battling. So I mean, that's actually, that's actually it's like a niche audience, but probably mad passionate about it. Probably really <laughs> and lightsaber battles a whole other conversation for another day. Okay. I am at, at Toasty Muffin. Um, awesome. Thank you. And then if you want to find the Shape Shift Report, you can check us out on any of the channels at Shape Shift Report or on Twitter at Shape Shift RPT. Um, and then grab the next issue at shapeshiftreport.co.